Hello and welcome to the first bonus episode of the Irish Memory Box. In this episode, we'll get to hear a chat between Marta Cook and Dennis Cahill, two amazing traditional Irish musicians here in Chicago. Enjoy. Hi, Dennis. Hey, Grace. Thank you, Grace, for having me. We lost a great musician in Chicago recently, as you know, which is Kevin Henry, who I know you, you've spent some time with him. And I was wondering if, if you could tell us something about your memories of working with him or playing with him. He was so polite. It was unbelievable. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd be at the 6511 with him and, and he was always encouraging. I, he never yelled at me or looked at me like, what are you doing? You know, but he was, he was, he was very, he's a very encouraging man. He was a nice man. He was a lovely man. He was. He was the first guy I played any hardcore grad with and, and he put up with me. <laughs> he didn't throw me out of the building. A lot of people probably don't know that he was the first person you really played any Hardcore the dad hardcore grad, yeah, he was the first guy who played any hardcore tradition stuff with. Been in college at the time. Oh, that I was in college. What age you... were you when you first ran into him there? Oh, God, I don't even know. It was, I probably would have been in my twenties at some point when I ran into him. Maybe sometime after college, sometime after. Yeah, that. something like that. Yeah, but it 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 was a long time ago, and I didn't get to play with him much after that. He he was, you know. But he, he just put up with me, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> he was such a nice man. It was, it was, it was sad going to the funeral. I, 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 felt, I felt like it was, I don't know, it just was like a whole part of my, of my history. And now he's gone, and I didn't get to talk to him again. I didn't see him for a long time. He was a great guy, though. He was a great guy. How frequently would you go to the 6511 club when you were in your 20s? Would it be maybe every week or once a month? Or? It was pretty much every week because I lived on the south side and he was, he was very encouraging and so I would go. It was the first time I had to play real hardcore trad, you know, instead of like the, the lightweight stuff. Right. It was different. <laughs> Would that have been for a couple of years, going every week for a couple of years, or shorter? Yeah, kind of. You know, I wouldn't be there every week, but I was there a lot. You know, I, I liked Kevin. He was nice. And, and, um, and I liked his playing. You know, it was different. Yeah. Was that one of the main spots for music on the south side when you were living there? Yeah, it was. Yeah, there were, it was, he was, he kind of held everything together. There weren't that many um, that I knew of. There weren't that many sessions going on on the south side at that point. I think they had one at, at a couple of the, little, the, the the Irish centers. They had a few things like that, but he was doing it every week, and I used to go in. In fact, like the the line I remember one guy telling me once is, "Is guy came up to, and he said, you know, this is when I started touring with Martin, and he said, um, so you played with Dennis way back when?' And Kevin said, "Yeah, I did." And he says, well, "What do you think?" He said, "He got a lot better." <laughs> that was his comment. <laughs> But, and it's true. It absolutely was true. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just, you know, hanging in there. I can picture Kevin's face was hearing that question, pausing to think, and, and giving, <laughs> saying that one. Yeah. Exactly. Anyone who knew him can picture that, how that went down. And yeah. <laughs> was, he, was a, he was a great guy. He was an absolutely great guy. He kind of held everything together in the Irish circuit, you know, for a while. He was like the 
the guy, you know, you were on the south side. He was the guy that held it together. Well, at some point you moved up to the north side, or was that just your parents moved to the north side? I moved to the north side, yeah, I did. I moved up to Rogers Park because, you know, I was doing the folk circuit and it was easier to do it up there. You know, there wasn't that much on the south side for that stuff. But was there a time when yourself and Martin Hayes were neighbors or shared? Oh, we were in an apartment together. We did. Well, across from, not too far from the Abbey pub. Wow. And then we put uh, Midnight Court together. You, so know, you were but, housemates before you started playing together. Well, yeah, we knew each other pretty well at that point. I mean, we both had been through the through the wars, you know, and so we we had a, an apartment not about a block north of um off elston um, from the abbey pub and um so that's when you started playing with him when you lived in that apartment by the abbey yeah and then when we had midnight court going and then we started doing some duo things too we we get hired to play at, at at receptions and things like that can i ask what is midnight court midnight court was a four-piece band that martin and i put together and it had drums and it had a bass player and it was louder than you could believe we played at a we we played at a heavy metal band, a, a heavy metal pub that that was running you know metal bands, and they brought us in on like a Tuesday night, and we're the only band that they complained of the of the of the the sound of it. It was that loud. It was unbelievably loud. I had two amps, and Martin had two amps on his fiddle, and we had a drummer that sounded like. We were being attacked by a, a by a howitzer, and uh, but it was fun though. We had a good time. We we knew we weren't going to get anywhere, but we were having a great time making noise. It was fun. I even had, we even had an album. We had an album that we we never really let go of, but we we do have it, you know. And it was it was fun. Do you think you're ever going to release that Midnight Court album? I don't know if they could take it. I, I did release one cut to. Um, Matt Purcell's son, because he was gonna, he wrote a, uh, he wrote about it in, um, he was in music school and he did a, a thing uh, on us with that band and I sent him a couple of tracks. Someone who was in music school wrote a paper about your band? In high court, yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and it, I mean, you, you, you have, it, you have no idea what it sounded like. I mean, I was playing, like, I was shredding and doing, like, a whole heavy metal kind of You're stuff, basically. Guitar, not, not a oh, yeah, I had two amps, like, loud everything. Oh. Martin had two amps and a solid body fiddle. Hmm. Did you ever play at the Abbey? Oh yeah, and everybody in the neighborhood complained about how loud we we were. We were really loud. I worked in rock bands, and it wasn't as loud as that band. I couldn't believe we did the clubs on Lincoln Avenue too. It was fun. How long did we, that last, approximately? About a year and a half, or something like that. But we we just didn't care. We were just doing whatever we wanted. We had a great time. You went to music school. You moved. You dropped out of music school. You worked the folk circuit. Moved to the north side, and then you had Midnight Court at the same yeah, time. Midnight Court, and I also ended up like in a like basically a basically a wedding band, you know, too, to make money on the weekends, and that was electric stuff too, and a lot of rock and roll and stuff like that. And it was. Yeah, at some point, didn't you work with a comedian? Oh yeah, I did. The folk singer with it. His guy was George Casey. He was from Claire, and the whole thing came about. He um. He was a comedian, and he made fun of people in the audience, and I made fun of him. That was what it turned into. That was your stick. So do you remember any, any good moments there? It was freezing out. It was the middle of February, 
and where I was sitting, there was a there was a a cracked window, and this wind is blowing in. It's like about eight below zero outside, and I leaned over to the comedian George Casey, and, and I said, "Jesus, it's freezing up here. It's it's I'm really cold." And he said. And then, he, and then he leans into the mic and he says, yeah, he's up here complaining about being cold and I'm up here sweating. And then I leaned into the mic and I said, I'd be sweating with your material too, buddy. <laughs> and then he, oh, he ran getting, and getting mad after he was done during the set. He said, that's great. You got to do more of this stuff. <laughs> then I, I became the guy when we were in a club with hecklers and my job was to take their heads off. And that, that was fun. Do you remember any any of those lines? One funny one was this woman kept asking for something. She kept asking for this song, and I, and you know, and I said, "I'll get to it. I'll get to it." And then um, she she crawled up on the stage with a five dollar bill in her teeth and came and sat in front of me. And I said, I'm not kidding. And I reached out, took the five dollars, leaned into the mic, and I said, "Would you believe this is the first time this has happened tonight?" <laughs> I was the executioner for the comedy stuff. I just, you know, let people have it. But, but did I you had play fun. her song ever after taking her $5? Did you play the yeah, song? I did. I did. Five bucks is five bucks. <laughs> Do you remember what song it was? I don't remember. You used to sing as well, right? Yeah. With, with yeah. George Casey. Yep. Yep. I was doing the folk circuit before that, so, you know. You were was... singing a lot. Yeah. I didn't like singing, but it was the only way I could make money. But, yeah, because I was getting, my voice was getting chewed to bits because I was having to do four-hour gigs, and that's a lot. That's a pounding. So who did you take voice lessons with? Oh, I can't remember his name. He was um, he was an, he was a guy that trained opera singers and everything else, but he he knew I wasn't didn't want to do you know I had to have a different style of playing. But he was very good, and the main thing he did was to try and get me to use the right muscles to do it, so I don't rip my voice to bits. And and it worked. It was good. He was a good teacher, you know, and it saved me from having laryngitis for the rest of my life. But you know, four hour gigs, five days a week, you know, that's a lot. So you've sung, I've heard you sing a handful of times, I want to say. Did you, did you ever miss it? No, I never liked singing. I mean, I know how to sing. I just don't really like it that much. Is there anything in particular you don't like about it? Um, it was distracting from trying to play. You know, it was, it's hard to sing and play and get everything, you know, at the same time. It's really difficult. And, and I could do simpler arrangements, but I had all these nice arrangements I wanted to do, but I couldn't sing them and play at the same time. It was too too complicated. Right. That's really interesting. So you were more interested in the harmony and the guitar part than actually in delivering yeah. the song. Even though I know that, like, people don't pay attention to guitar players, they pay attention to singers. But for example, if you get the chance to work with a really good singer, then you can kind of have the best of both. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I worked with some pretty good singers and, you know, and, and done that. I got hired to, to, to do stuff like that. And it was it was fun. You know, I've done albums with them and things like that. I, I like playing accompaniment as much as I like just playing melody lines and everything too. But I like playing accompaniment because you stretch out chords and little things. Well, you know that from playing playing yeah. the harp. Right, right, exactly. Looking for the new, looking for the new thing, the new thing I can dig up for this, you know, this kind of thing. It's fun. Oh, what's so? I was thinking one of the places I 
think you told me that you worked at in the past was was it Carol's Pub? Is that a place you worked? Carol's Pub. Oh Jesus, um, <laughs> it was it was a rough country bar. It was a very rough country bar. It was on Clark, and I can't remember where it was up north. It's Clark and Leland. It's right across the street from me. So I, I hadn't yeah. realized when I moved here that this was the the bar. It was a rough bar. It was. I don't know if it still is, but it was rough. It was really. I don't think rough. it is anymore. It's not the same. But uh, oh, there were fights every night. Were just people getting drunk and and you know, I, one of the funniest fights I ever saw in my life. I, I was on break, went to the bar to get a glass of water, and the guy next, the guy's kind of drunk. That's standing next to me. He's talking to this other guy. And he says, "You're looking at my girlfriend." I'm not making this up. He says, "You're looking at my girlfriend." And he says, "No, I'm not." What? She isn't good enough for you? You know, this thing. And, and it was just hilarious, you know. It was just insanity. Did he get what he wanted? Did he get anyone to fight with him? Nah, he was so drunk, I think he just fell over. And that, was, that was pretty much it. Carol's Inn was pretty tough. It was a tough bar. And was this while you were living with Martin, or was this at a different point? No, it was a different time. I was living up in Granville. I had a little apartment. And that was too... before you moved in with Martin and started Midnight Court. Yeah, yeah, that's where we moved sort of by the Abbey. You know, I, I got tired of the, the other stuff. It just, it wasn't paying very much. Like, I worked down at the Bar Double R, you know, the one downtown. I worked with them, and they only paid like 50 bucks. And, and you know, you were there for five hours, you know, four hours, and it was kind of grinding. It was, it was uh, interesting. It was very interesting. I've had a lot of interesting places to play, and it's, it's, it, it was never boring. That's the one thing about some of the crazy places, but. Certainly. Well, I think if you were to ever write your memoir, you should call it something like From the Sydney Opera House to Carol's Pub. <laughs> exactly. We did Carnegie Hall, Martin and I did once. Right. There's a bunch of people on it. But, yeah, so, you know, I actually feel like right now, you're, I, I just stopped. At least I got something done. At least I got to go places and I got to do all this stuff. Sure. And later, I, you know, I'm... I'm I'm 67. I, you know, how much longer can I, can I stay on this? I've been on the road since I was like 18, you know, and it's, it's been a long haul. And I've never had a real job. I've really never had a real job. I've been tired, but I've never been bored. <laughs> right. Well, some bands I played, I was pretty boring, but bored with, but, uh, you know, but for the rest of it, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. And I'm getting a little too old to be dragging myself all over the planet. That's getting exhausting. You know, it is. You know. I wanted to ask you, if we have time, a, a question about your parents, actually. Um, your parents were Irish speakers, is that correct? Yep, they're from the Dingle Peninsula, and Irish was their first language. Are you a Galgor? No, but I could always tell when they were saying bad things about me. <laughs> there's, there's something about the tone and the way they look at you when they talk to each other, and you're thinking, oh, this isn't good. This is not good. My dad went to Spring. He came in from Springfield. He knew her back in Ireland, and then she came to Chicago, and then he moved to Chicago, and then he ran into her, and then they got married. Oh wow! And um, they out. So that's lovely. Yeah. Marta, do you have any more questions? How many siblings do you have? Just a sister. Just a sister. So that's your parents it. didn't have a big family. No, they didn't have a big family. They didn't. No. And did they speak English before they came to America, or? I think they did. I think that that was that period where you you had to have Irish and and um, English, um, but the 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 Dingo Peninsula they mainly would speak Irish. 
it would yeah like sometimes when i went i went to visit it visit down there once and, and at one point when i went into their the village they were from they one guy came by he says i'll be your interpreter because some of them didn't speak english it would have been in the 80s the and, 80s so oh. but they wanted you to and your sister to be american yeah a lot of the irish people came and they wanted you to blend in with the with the where you were my and grandparents the, were exactly the same yeah, yeah because well they came in at a period like uh, well it was a little bit before but there were signs up saying the irish need not apply you know they were they were people they wouldn't they wouldn't hire and i don't think it was pushed as far as it was into the 50s and stuff but it was for a while they were not they were looking at them as as people coming and taking their jobs you know that kind of thing it, what jobs did your parents do my mom didn't work she was a, a thing my dad was a stationary engineer with the um Oh, and, so he was in the Castle Island engineers. Yeah, the cat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what he he was with, and it was a great union. It was amazing. He um, when he retired, he was making exactly the same amount of money as when he was working. With health care, <laughs> on top of it, yeah, they're pretty. When you're in a union like that with the Irish in it, they're pretty tough. They're gonna get what they want. You know, they're gonna get what they want. You know, it, it is actually a great job because the union is unbelievably strong and you get a lot of money and you get you get health care and everything for the family the whole thing and you would have to know somebody who's in it to be brought in is that true yeah you do you, you have to have some leverage you're you not don't just, necessarily have to be irish but you have to know somebody who will bring you yeah you gotta have somebody that's gonna you know vouch for you and then you're okay you're really best known obviously for playing with martin hayes and the duo and then the side projects mm -hmm. after the duo um, and you don't tend to speak on stage in that project. I'd like to get home before I die. <laughs> everybody starts talking. It drives me crazy when I go to a show and everybody's talking. Would you just play, please? So, uh, you know, it's not that I don't want to talk. It's just like he does a good job and I don't want to be there all day. You know, they came here to hear music, not us babbling, you know, and it kind of you know it, it makes me it's just that constant chatting that drives me crazy when i go to a show you know they have to be really funny if they're going to do that and but does it ever come into your head some of the lines from the george casey days things you wish you could say that you're going to make sure you don't um not really because martin is pretty good he's pretty good at, at, at you know getting the whole thing kind of controlled and everything and and um it he it's it we wouldn't it we wouldn't fit together doing it because my idea of comedy and his idea of comedy are two completely different things uh, okay. and um i don't mind it just simply because it works i just you know something works i just roll with it working i don't i don't intend on stepping on the thing you know if it's going it's going it's fine it's great i don't really care if anybody even knows who i am up there <laughs> i'm getting paid and i'm playing nice music and so it doesn't matter i don't I think a lot of people do know who you are, but I, I know, but it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, in fact, I'm probably more well known because I don't talk, you know, that's, that's probably one of the funny things about it. You know? Very well be. Thank you very much for joining us, Dennis. It's been wonderful chatting to you and thank you for joining us, Marta. Also great to hear your voice. Well, thank you. I, it, was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And that brings us to the end of our first bonus episode. Such 
in-depth information into life as a musician here in Chicago. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, if you would like to capture Irish memories, please email me, grace at irishchicago.org. If you know someone with a story or two, let me know. The Irish Memory Box is yours. Thank you.